Marcel. streaming live soon. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Well, it's great to be back here with you on uh, Laterrain.com, streaming from our office in Athens. Jonathan Dunn. Here and uh, we had a great Rekindle the Flame conference. Rekindle the Flame conference 2021 uh, was really powerful, and all of the services uh, are available on our website. They're available uh, on uh, if you go to Latterain.com, L-A-T-T-E-R-A-I-N.com. Up at the top is a little menu bar, and it just says RTF Live Stream. You click that, and the first thing you see is a little video window. And uh, they're all available right there. Some wonderful worship and sermons. Uh, so go in, and, and some really great, uh, two really good seminars, Tina Green and Dr. Frank Billman. And uh, so go check, go check those out and, and uh, be blessed. And look forward to... Uh, Rekindle the Flame Conference 2022 already, and we're talking about it, and we're we're uh, contacting the speakers. We're uh, we've already contracted the Classic Center. Uh, by the way, let me give you the dates. Yeah, hold on, just 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 a second here. I'm going to pull it up, make sure I don't tell you wrong. July 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. Okay, so we start the evening of July 6th, 2022. Then our last service is Sunday morning at 10 a.m., July 10th. So uh, mark that on your calendar. We hope you can make it to Athens, Georgia, uh, for the 6th to the 10th of 2022 to join us for Rekindle the Flame Conference. Hallelujah. Well, we uh, had a long break because of the conference from the book of Ephesians, but we're going to get back here and, and tackle 
Ephesians chapter 6, we started a little bit in Ephesians chapter 6 going into uh, just sort of the, the relationship, honor father and mother and fathers provoke not your children and, and servants and masters and things like that. And, and then we get to this wonderful famous passage starting in verse 10 of uh, Paul just exhorting the Ephesian church. He sort of, he sort of ends with this great exhortation. Um, and, and it's really cool how he, he sort of begins the book talking about how they are established in Christ because of the grace of God, both Jew and the Greek. Um, of course, he says a very similar thing in Romans in, in, in a different way, a little more detail in Romans, uh, that all fall short of the glory of God and need salvation. So it's the same concept there, just presented in a different way that we are all part of the family of God and we are all unified in the Spirit. So we are the body of Christ and we're meant to live as the body, supporting and uplifting one another. Then he gets into some details about that. And then he ends with just sort of this power punch, you know, just go get them, smack the devil in the teeth, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, and it's one of the most famous passages for Christians because when you need a boost, right, when, you, when you're feeling low and you feel like, the devil's just beating you up. You know, you feel like you're in the ring with Conor McGregor. You know? You know who that guy is? He's the, he's the, he's the fighter guy. The UCF guy, you know, Ultimate Fighting Championship. UFC, sorry, UFC. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's one of the famous guys there. And he, he has all these tattoos from Ireland, I think. You know, and he's, he's just, very much, I will, I will, I will beat you down. So we sometimes we feel like we're in the ring with, with Conor McGregor in life, and we don't know how in the world we're gonna try to defeat a guy like that because he just seems like he has so many skills and he's just so strong and he's so fast and he's so quick and he knows how to get you in a chokehold and strangle you out. And we feel like we're in life, we're trying to fight Conor McGregor, and we have, we have, we have nothing to, we can't do anything. Like we just. Victims, like, and Paul is saying, no, 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 no. As Christians, we cannot play the victim, woe is me, I have no power and I'm weak and wimpy and I'm just, uh, you know, the devil's just going to walk all over me until the end of days and then I'll be happy in heaven. And Paul says, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. Not at all. That is not who we are as Christians. So I want to encourage you first and foremost this morning by reading verses 10, 11, and 12. And then we'll continue on. So Paul says, Finally, my brethren, my brothers and sisters, and he starts right away, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That's good old King James. <laughs> the wiles of the devil. Right? The schemes. You know? Uh, the devil makes himself look so strategic sometimes, but he's got the same bag of tricks as always. Right? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Alright? Four really powerful verses, and we can read these verses, and and then we just sort of... It's, it's like when your team wins the Super Bowl, you know? You could just go out and conquer the world after that, you know? You just feel so encouraged, and, and I want us to slow down a little bit. Because... Paul, what Paul is saying here is, is, is not to get emotionally worked up. This is, not, this is not reading the Bible so that we can get into an, an emotional you know, pep talk and say, okay, yeah, yeah, here we go, I can do it. Because Paul says, now wait a second. When I say be strong, I say be strong in the Lord. Oftentimes we'll read a passage like this and we'll just kind of say, yeah. I feel strong now. I I feel like you know, I can I can withstand life, and it's sort of an emotional strength that we feel. But see, the strength that Paul is talking about here has nothing to do with your emotions, your mental capacity, nothing to you with you with being strong-willed. This is about being strong in the Lord. Being strong in Jesus. Because, see, the strength that comes from Jesus and from the power of the Holy Spirit is a strength that is consistent. See, our emotions are not trustworthy. Our minds are tricky sometimes. Right? Our thoughts just go haywire. Uh, Self-will is uh, just a destructive force. But see, when we, seek, when we seek to be strong in Jesus, then that is a consistent power that is never changing. And it always find victory in Jesus. So I want to suggest to you this morning that if, if you have been tempted to sort of find the strength that you need to address life based on self-help books, another good sermon, Getting good theology, which there's nothing wrong with good theology, okay? Filling your mind with the, you know, the right intellectual thoughts. If you're seeking to find strength in Jesus by suppressing negative emotions, right? Let me just, th- those make me feel vulnerable, so I'm going to, let's get them out of here, because. Those make me not feel strong. You see, being strong in the Lord has nothing to do with you feeling strong. Am I not doing good? Okay. Being strong in the Lord means that you come before Him in the morning and you say, God, if I try to overcome life in my own strength, I will barely make it. I might make it. I might be breathing. But God, if I'm really going to be victorious, if I'm going to be able to produce any fruit for the kingdom, because see, we're not talking about the survival life. That's not what Paul is talking about. I mean, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I mean, that that's... That's, being, that's strength, and that is power that is not just 
going to maintain the status quo and hold the defenses, that's power that is going to move forward and advance and produce fruit for the kingdom. And so that is the type of Christian that Paul is asking us to be. Not one that just holds ground, but one that is able to move forward and overcome. And God has not left us without helps. And so Paul talks about, he mentions twice, putting on the armor of God. So God's given us some tools. He, God, God is saying, I'm, I'm trying to empower my people to really grow into who I see them to be. And I've given them some tools and I'm, I'm ready to just move in their lives. And so Paul is saying, let's move into that. Let's do that. Let's not hold the status quo. Let's stop tripping over each other. Let's stop, you know tripping over our own emotions and our own worries and anxieties, let's put on the armor of God and see what we can get done for the Lord. So verse 13, let me start there again. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So you see, when we think about problems in the world, people that we face, issues in our church, stuff in our family, we begin to look at the people involved and we forget that the, the devil is behind it. And so, we have the person in view. And if, as we read Paul, these first four verses here, as he is introducing this idea, he's saying that, listen, it's not against the person. Now, the person is making choices and, you know, or, or, you know, you might have difficult situations, you have to deal with people, but you, we cannot forget that the devil is at work behind it. So how, so how do we address that spiritual side of it? Is what Paul is saying. Because as Christians, we can't just come at it with an earthly point of view. We, you know, that's what psychology is going to do. Okay? It's devoid of the Bible. I mean, there's some smart people who, who can be helpful. Okay? So I'm not, I'm not out to get anybody. I mean, there's some really smart people who can be helpful out there who, who are not Christians. And they, they, they can help people, you know, find ways to manage life a little better. But that's not what Paul is talking about. And Paul is not talking about managing life better. No way. He's, talk, he's talking about something completely different. Paul is talking about destroying the work of the devil so that the people that God has put in our lives can be set free in a way that they've never experienced before. And so when, when, we, when we see the, the situation as narrowing down on the person and forget the spiritual element behind it, then we're limiting what God can do. We're limiting our expectations of what God can do in that situation. There's a good friend of mine who has a, a brother, young teenage brother, who is, who, who is uh, just exhibiting all kinds of negative behaviors. And, you know, 
committed to hospital, uh, all kinds of things. And, I mean, this kid's got a ways to go, but but what happened uh, a few months ago is that he was radically saved. He met Jesus. He heard about Jesus, but man, he... I mean, he met Jesus at a service. And and he's he's got some things to work out still. You know, he's a teenage kid who's <laughs> still got rough around the edge and a little goofy and all that. But, but, I mean, he's different now. God touched his heart. He's changing. Many of us have a testimony like that, right? We were just totally ignorant. Thought we were doing something that was good. Thought that we were, you know, doing what we needed to do to respond to life. And then Jesus showed up and, whew, There's a spiritual element going on that, 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 that's got to be considered when we're dealing with life and we're dealing with people. And so that's what Paul is saying here. Now, that will change your prayer life. That will change how you talk to the person. That will change... Um, you know, how you view the situation. You start to have your spiritual radar on to see, is this, is this, uh, you know, is this the devil talking to me or, or, or is the person talking to me? What, what's really going on here? Because if you're, if you're dealing with an unsafe person, a person who's, who, who's, who's dabbling in, in uh, you know, dark spiritual stuff, or even if they say that Jesus is Lord and, and they're still dabbling in spiritual stuff, don't mess around. You can't really trust what that person is saying. You've got to be careful. I'm talking to somebody this morning. I know it. So, stand therefore, verse 14, having your loins gird about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So here are the first two that Paul says are truth and righteousness. Now, biblically speaking, Jesus says He is the truth. Now, Paul knows that. Okay? Biblically speaking, it is Paul who says that we put on the righteousness of Christ in Romans. That we... Take on His righteousness. That there is nothing in us in us that is righteous, but we take on the righteousness of Christ. So these first two clearly are references to the person of Jesus. That in Jesus we find truth. In other words, truth will not be found by... Now hear me out. I went to seminary, and there's some really smart people who studied the Bible and really try to help us understand it better. Okay? But truth will not be found if you read the Bible, but you have not encountered the person of Jesus. You won't find truth. Now, now, once you find Jesus, then the Scriptures come alive in a way you've never seen before. But to read the Scriptures without having a personal encounter where you've met Jesus, because, see, truth is found in Jesus, the person. And then, once that happens, and the Holy Spirit fills you up and fills your mind, then you are enabled, and the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. Now, I'm referencing all kinds of Scriptures that I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not throwing them out there. I, that's in uh, John 
16, I believe. The Holy Spirit lead us into all truth. And Jesus says in the... Is it 14? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and then Jesus says in, in the Gospel of John also, I am the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the truth. So that's where we find it. And we find righteousness in Jesus. Jesus was the only righteous, perfect one. Sinless. Right? So that... In the person of Jesus is where we find true righteousness. And yet your feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Clearly, a reference to Jesus once again. Romans chapter 5. We have peace with God through faith in Jesus. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, why faith? Oh, this is a good one. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, in other words, the devil hates faith. Okay. I don't even know. I don't know how else to say it. The devil hates faith. Hates the idea that you would have faith in Jesus. Hates the idea that you would believe that Jesus would move powerfully in your life through the Holy Spirit to bring about change in your sphere of influence. The devil hates that idea. He wants to stop faith. So Paul, know, Paul knows that. Faith is the, is the uh, kryptonite of Satan. You get that reference? Superman, right? Superman came from some planet... Krypton? Okay, Superman came from Krypton. <laughs> Somehow he fell into Earth. Okay? And he's and he's uh and and, and he's all powerful. He can fly, he's got, you know, Superman strength, all this. But his only weakness is Kryptonite. Right? The little uh the the rock from, from Krypton, you know, if he if he if he touches that or whatever. <laughs> Getting into all kinds of stuff here. I didn't know I was going to talk about it. But faith, faith is kryptonite to the devil. You get faith in there, he can't do a thing. And God explodes. You get faith into a situation and the devil starts to run with his tail between his legs. He shrinks up and shrivels up like he's just, you know... uh a, a, a little, uh, what do you call the thing? A, a prune or a raisin. It just sucks. It just sucks all the strength out of the devil, and he just, he's just laying there like, like a, a, a little golem, you know, from Lord of the Rings, just skinny and wimpy, right? Can't do nothing. Faith destroys the work of the devil. So Paul says you gotta have it, and of course. One of our favorite phrases here at RBM is, is we're not talking about having faith in your faith, right? It's so it's it's not a self-willed faith. It's not a it's not a self-created faith. You you know you don't you don't pep talk yourself into faith. You say Jesus, I I just believe in you. I that's all I got. I I don't know I don't know anything, God, but I just believe that you that the miracles I see in the Bible can be done today and. I'll be honest with you, God. I don't know why I'm not seeing them, but I, I believe they can happen. So, so God, would you, would you help me move into it? 
Please, God, I'm desperate for you. You start praying like that, man, the devil just just starts to gnash his teeth because he can't do anything against it. It says here, it says here, Shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All of them, right? Yes, Cindy says all of them. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet of salvation has to do with the renewing of the mind, which is done by understanding that everything we receive from the Lord comes to us through the cross. In other words, when you put on the helmet of salvation, the, the salvation of Jesus, that's why I said you have to be saved to really be able to read the Word and, and, and grasp it. Okay, When you read the Word... And you haven't been saved, but the Word can lead you to salvation. And then when you get saved, you, you can understand it even more. It's kind of how it works, you know. All of us have experienced that to a degree, right? But, um, but salvation is sort of like the, the baseline. In other words, salvation through the cross uh, can never be forgotten. Every day we have to wake up and say, I'm saved. Whatever happens today, I, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I'm saved. And I don't have to be afraid that I'm going to go into hell. I don't have to be afraid that I'm going to have to pay for my sins at the end of my life. And I get to live for God. I'm free now. And see, the devil wants to make us forget that we're saved. He wants to make us afraid of God again. Afraid of our sins. Running from our past. And so Paul says, don't forget your salvation. Every day wake up and say, I'm saved. Whatever happens today, I'm saved. And, you know, some days terrible things come in life and you never expect it. You know, nobody wakes up and says, well, some people do, I guess cynics. But most people don't wake up and say, you know, I'm expecting something horrible to happen today. Today I'm going to lose a loved one, I'm going to get in a car accident, and somebody's going to steal all my money. We don't wake up like that. I mean, you know, for the most part, we wake up thinking we might have to, you know, deal with some situations, but for the most part, you know, our day's probably going to be all right. Okay? And if we don't have that confidence that 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 God is sovereign and that we are found in Jesus, that we are our identity is in Christ, then when the storm comes, we will get shaken. So we've got to seek to, to uh, root ourselves in the salvation that comes through Jesus before the storm comes. Oh, Frank Appel, if you're always getting ready, you'll be ready. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> going to miss old Brother Frank. Oh, go, listen to, go listen to Dr. Frank Appel's sermon from the Thursday morning service of Rekindle the Flame Conference, July the 8th, a couple weeks ago. It's powerful. It'll bless your life. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the Spirit and the Word, the Spirit and the Word work together. Right? I've already said the Spirit leads us into all truth. Truth is found in the person of Jesus, and the Word of God points us to the person of Jesus. There has got to be a value in, in the Bible in our lives. Somebody was reading some statistics recently, and I can't remember who it was. I wish I could. 
I want to say it was our brother Andy Hines. Yeah. He's been teaching a series called Living in Babylon. And there's some good stuff in there. And, and he quoted some statistics. And I don't remember the statistics. I wish I could. I'll, I didn't expect to think of this. But, but it, the statistics sort of monitored the steady decline of biblical literacy in our culture. Now, this is talking about American culture. You know, worldwide, there's other cultures that are increasingly becoming biblically literate as American is becoming, is declining. We're less and less, you know, so uh, very few, a small percentage of the generation you might call millennialists or there's even one now after them, Gen Z, okay, that, that has a biblical worldview or really even understands the stories of the Bible. Oh, that was a, that was at the conference. Somebody talked about that. It was um, George Moxley. Yeah, Reverend George Moxley. And that was a great sermon too. Go listen to that one. And so, yeah, <laughs> that's right. You know, and he, he, in his ministry over the years, he's come to realize that, that many people just don't even know the stories of the Bible that, that have always been assumed that you would at least know the story. David and Goliath, knowing the ark. People don't even know the stories anymore. You can't even reference them in a common setting because people don't know the stories. So less and less our culture, American culture, I know many of you from around the world who are listening uh, might not be in that same position, but if you're, if you're, um, if, if you're in a, a European setting, you probably are though. Because in general, the Western world, what we call the Western world, is seeing a decline in valuing the Bible. And so as Christians, it's, it's it's not really our uh, main goal to force the Bible on a secular culture, but at least for our own lives and for our families and in our churches, we, we need to put a high priority on the Bible and on biblical literacy, reading the Bible, knowing what it says, and knowing how to reference it in your daily life. And Paul says is saying here, if, if we don't know the Word, then... Uh, then we're we're going to be left without without a weapon. I mean, the word of God is uh, uh, sharper than two edged sword, powerful and effective, right? It's alive, so we do need to know the word. Now, I love how Paul gives us another weapon here in verse eighteen. Praying always. I mean, it is a weapon in a way, really. You know, I, I, and I don't, I don't mean to think of prayer as only a weapon. You know, and you know, given a military reference or that it's in, in destructive in a way. It's to, it, it could be used to destroy the works of the devil, but it can also be used to empower the believer. Okay, it could be used to. Uh, advance the kingdom of God into a situation and into uh, a person's life, into your church. Okay? So it's not only the power to destroy in prayer, but it's also the power to build up and create in the power of God. So praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. In other words, we got to pray for one another. Because prayer brings faith into the situation and says, there is a God who can do something about this. 
And I'm going to call on that God. Before I move ahead and, and begin to put myself in there and how smart I am, I'm going to call to God and say, Dear Jesus, I know You can do something here. I know that there is a spiritual element. I know the devil's at work. But God, You are more powerful. You have overcome by the power of the cross. You have destroyed His works. And so, bring Your life into this situation where the devil's trying to bring death. Bring Your peace in this situation where the devil is trying to bring discord. Bring health into this situation where the devil is trying to bring decay. Begin to speak life into that situation through prayer. And, and Paul specifically says, prayer in the Spirit. Do you have a personal prayer language? I mean, we just believe in that. I don't know how else to say it. I'm a fool. Whatever. I don't care. But do you have a personal prayer language to the Lord? If you don't, ask Him for it. Ask Him for it. Say, God, I don't know what this is about, but I'm tired of praying with my brain because my brain is just too limited. I need to be able to pray with my spirit. And then you just, just start opening your mouth and, and start, making, start, start going. Just start making some, some sounds and just ask the Lord to take over. Start, start giving you the language. Okay? And it'll come. Go in faith. Ask God to give you that language. Well, my time's up. I'm going to end there. Hallelujah. Hope I encourage you this morning to see where Paul is going that we as Christians have power. We have some tools. God has empowered us. God has blessed us. God is moving. God is ready to act in your life. Don't lay down. Don't be passive. Also, you know, those of you that are too strong-willed, well, you back off a little bit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Some of you need to be a little more into it. Some of you need to back off a little bit. You know who you are. You know who I'm talking to. But just the Lord has strengthened us. The Lord is there to empower us and help us to live a Christian life that really does bring about some fruit. And I hope you encourage this morning to seek the Lord in that. Amen. We'll see you uh, tomorrow morning. Nine o'clock. Have a great day. Hoje a minha alma põe em mim o aroma de Jesus. Lírio dos vales cresce em beleza, força e luz.